physical spiritual beings having spiritual human experiences and um, today is Saturday we are back from a little uh, break last week and uh, today's Saturday May 14th hi New York and hi Linda Linda is on the call with us today thank you she's probably going to read with us today too Thank you. Um, Today has been, I mean, uh, this week was a little bit of a crazy week for all of us, and some of us anyway. Um, (laughs) Challenges, the challenges. Woo! You're ducking and dodging and dipping and diving and, you know, dealing with wicky-wacky and wicky-wackalations and Lord have us mercies. Well, I know it was wicky-wacky for me, so... um, you know, I had to do a lot of um, navigating through things interesting enough. But um, anyway, <laughs> Yaren has the um, has voice now. Welcome, Yaren. Yaren's in the house. And uh, we are going to be continuing to, we're going to conclude the reading of Resurrection by Neville today. Um, we're coming to the end of the book, and hopefully you enjoyed the reading. I'm not sure what we're going to read next or what we're going to do next, but um, we do, I am working on bringing some guests onto the show and, you know, doing that again, and we'll probably take a little break in the summertime uh, after May 30th, uh, Memorial Day weekend, and uh, just a little bit of a break. Not a long break, just a little bit. I'm not going away. I'm just taking a break. You know, summertime. Everybody's doing their thing, running around and having fun and enjoying the sunshine. I definitely need some vitamin D and need some sun. Okay? That's all I'm saying. I am not complaining. I just need some sun. (laughs) If you um, are new to the show, you just downloaded the podcast, you have no idea what the Indigo Room is, and um, we have been reading for the past uh, couple of months um, Resurrection by Neville Goddard. We love Neville Goddard here at the Indigo Room. He is our um, mentor. 
I don't want to say guru. You are your own guru. He is our mentor. He's like, you know, the person that um, I enjoy myself listening to and reading. I have several um, authors and spiritual folks that I like a lot. He happens to be uh, number one. We've been dealing with Neville since 2009 when we found him. Well, I found him anyway. Um, anyway, this this is um, the final chapter that we're getting ready to read today. And hopefully you've applied some of the things that, um, you know, we've talked about over the course of this past month. And if you haven't, if you actually haven't gotten the book or anything like that, then get it. Get the book, get the book, get the book. <laughs> Resurrection by Neville Goddard. It is probably one of the most profound books you'll ever read. Um, or you can just, you know, backtrack um, to when we started reading him in January. Also, um, getting back to the crazy energy that was that's been happening um, lately, I just want to say that's a great opportunity for you to be able to use the tools that we talk about here in the Indigo Room and to be able to move through them. I was having some wackalations going on, and I got to tell you, I started a no-complaining diet March 30th. Yeah. And then I had some restarts, right, because I started complaining again and you know, I had to stop, it stopped, and then I had to start all over, and then, you know, it was something that I chose to do for myself, and then we created a group, and I want to give a big shout-out to Martha Hart, who just completed her 30 days. She started March 1st with me, along with a lot of other people, and she she finally completed her 30 days, and she just received so many different um, things Inwardly and outwardly um, from her doing this work, as have I, today is my completion as well. I finally completed a full 30 days, so big ups to me (laughs) of not complaining. And um, even yesterday, I had to catch myself in the middle of, you know, complaining about the rain and and getting soaked and wet and all that, but... um, you know, I said, okay, well, it's raining, and I got soaked, and it's a beautiful thing. I'm happy that it's raining, and it's wonderful for the trees and the birds and Mother Nature, and I just sucked it back in. And the point of the whole um, no complaining diet was to, if you caught yourself in the middle of complaining, to turn that around. And if you didn't turn it around, if you just kept going on, then you had to start all over again. So as long as you caught yourself in the middle of it, caught yourself, you caught yourself and turned it around that, that second, you were good. If you continued and continued and continued, then, you know, and you just let yourself go with it, then you had to start all over. So uh, congratulations to uh, Martha for completing her 30 days. Anywho, I want, yes. I do know I owe you something, Yaren. I had said that, but you couldn't hear me before. I apologize for not giving you the words to the Indigo Room 
And I will complete that today because today I am um, home. Um, you know, I have some free time today, and I'll be able to do that for you today. That I promise you. It'll be done. Yay! So we are going to um, come finish up, and I want to say hi to New York. That's me, this, I believe. Um, we left off on page 140. And this last chapter of Neville is a little bit challenging. Well, I don't even want to say a little bit. It's a lot challenging. It's a lot challenging for me. It's been a lot cha- It was always challenging for me, this particular last chapter, because it gives you a lot of scripture and a lot of allegory, and it is a lot of things that he personally was experiencing um, that he was having as an experience. And um, it, it it's interesting. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> so hopefully we can um, complete this today. And uh, I'm going to start reading a little bit. And then, Linda, if you're, whenever you're ready, if you want to join in and read that, that would be awesome. Actually, Linda, can you pick up, can you start sure. reading first? Okay, I Being in the make... form of God, that's where we left off. Okay, there we go. Okay, good. Yeah. Um, be, being in the form of God, he emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even death on the cross. Philippians 2, 6 8. Of man. He abdicated his divine form and assumed the form of a slave. He did not merely disguise himself as a slave, but became one, subject to all human weaknesses and limitations. God, who entered death's door, the human skull, Golgotha, is now the world's savior. God is our salvation. Our God is a God of salvation. And to God, the Lord, belong, belongs escape from death. Psalm 68, 19 through 20. Unless I die, thou canst not live. But if I die, I shall arise again, and thou with me. The grain of wheat sets out the mystery of life through death. Unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. John 12, verse 24. This is the secret of God's plan of salvation. God achieves his purpose by self-limitation, by contradiction, by contraction in order to expand. God himself enters death's door, my skull, and lays down in the grave with me. And with apologies to William Blake, what air is done to me, I can't, cannot know. And if you'll ask me, I will swear it so. Whether it is good or evil, none's to blame. Only God can take the pride, only God the shame. Hold on right there one second. I just want to um, reiterate what um, Neville is talking about here. First of all, it's sort of what the scripture 
John 12:24 is talking about is really a concept changing a concept of self. So um the seed if it's a wheat seed, if it's an orange seed, it doesn't matter what kind of seed it is. If it is um falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it Basically, not not if it just dies. It's like if it falls onto the earth, you know, blah, it dies by itself. But if it's buried and dies, the seed, if it's buried and dies, then it bears much fruit. So the seed has to change. It can't remain a seed and bear fruit. It's impossible. So when Neville was talking to us about changing our concept of self, which is really, really key, you really have to have a change within yourself and that old self of you, your old self has to die, literally. Not like, you know, kill yourself and now you're bleeding. I'm talking about the concept of yourself. That old concept of yourself has to die. You have to get rid of it. And your new concept of self bears much fruit. If you think about your old concept of self and it's continuing to think old ways, it's going to continue to create the same things over and over and over again. But if you change that, you'll bear much fruit. And also what he's saying is that God achieves his purpose by self-limitation, by becoming us. God became us so that we could become God. We can remember the truth of who we are. We know, I mean, we, some of us don't know that we are God and that, you know, God is within. The kingdom of heaven is within you. You know, I didn't know that for a long time either. It was, it was a hard concept for me to accept. And Jesus talked about in the Bible, that's a hard concept to accept, that you are this powerful being, not power over, power within. You know, I'm not talking about, oh, you know, I'm God and I'm going to go banish you and da-da-da and, you know, hurt you. That's not that's not the definition. The definition is that you are powerful. You're a powerful being within you. Yeah, sometimes things get all kinds of wicky-wacky and you're just like, what? What's happening? How come this is happening to me? But truthfully... As Blake said, "Tis good or evil, none's to blame. Only God can make the pride take the pride. Only God the shame, because that's who's inside of you, truly." Does that make sense? I hope so. Okay, go ahead, Linda. And I am sure that He who began a good work in me will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Philippians. 1 verse 6. When the image of the unbegotten is formed in me, he who was so long tightly furled within me unwinds himself and jam he. I no am he. I am, be, oh, sorry, am he. I am he. Yeah. Looks like jam, though. <laughs> yeah, it does. No one has ascended into heaven, but he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. John 3, 
verse 13. God himself voluntarily descended into his grave, Golgotha, my skull. I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. John 10, 17 through 18. For your maker is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name. Isaiah 54, verse 5. And he cleaves to his wife, and they become one flesh. Genesis 2, 24. Four, he who is united to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. 1 Corinthians six seventeen. What therefore God has joined together, let not man put asunder. Mark 10, verse 9. Man is God's emanation, yet his wife, till the sleep of death is past. Rouse thyself. Why sleepest thou, O Lord? Awake. Psalm 44, verse 23. When he awakes, I am he, God, laid himself down with me to sleep, and as he slept, he dreamed a dream, and he dreamed that he is I, and when he awakes, he is I. But how do I know that I am he? Through the revelation of his son, David, who is the Spirit, call, sorry, through the revelation of his son David, who in the Spirit calls me Father. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. He who has seen me has seen the Father, John fourteen six and 9. Union with the risen Christ is the only way to the Father. Because Christ and the Father are one, John 10.30, the way leads through death to life eternal. Man's search for Christ as an authority which he can trust, which he can respect, to which he can submit is his longing for the Father that lives in him. For the same Father who the Christ of the gospel claims to be. The Christ of the gospel is the eternal father in man. This longing for the father is a cry of man that ends the New Testament. Come, Lord Jesus, Revelation 22, verse 20. Do you not realize that Jesus Christ is within you? 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5. And in him, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. Corinthians 2, verse 9. Not figuratively, but genuinely in a body. This is the mystery hidden for the ages and generations, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Colossians 1, uh, 2627. I just want to say something. Mm-hmm. Isn't it interesting how you can, because I know it's interesting to me, you may not even read the Bible every day, but you know all of the abbreviations. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Yep. 
<laughs> Colossians threw me for a minute because I'm looking at it. That's an abbreviation for column. No, no, Colossians. Colossians 1. I'm just saying, when was the last time you actually went to Bible study or you had Bible study school or whatever? But we all know the um, the abbreviation. I find that funny. That's all I wanted to say. Nothing about the scripture, just about nothing about the text right now, just about the fact that we I we yeah. all know what those I think are. All, all of us had to memorize them in order. <laughs> and that was a test. We had to say I, them out loud. <laughs> oh my god, and it stays with you forever. That's crazy. Oh, yeah. Yep. Woo. Uh, okay. Uh, Imperfect knowledge of Jesus has blinded man to the true nature of the Father. The Lord Jesus is God the Father, who became man, that man might become the Lord Jesus, the Father. Historians' researches cannot yield knowledge of who the Father is. No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12, 13. 12.3. Man's goal is to find the Father, but God the Father is made known only through his Son. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Matthew 11, verse 27. Only the Father and the Son know each other. Call no man your Father on earth, For you have one Father who is in heaven. Matthew 23, verse 9. And heaven is within you. Luke 17, verse 21. See, I never got that until Neville. That whole part. You know, um, I've said it a million times here in the Indigo Room. Like, where is the Father? Where is God? God is within you know, people say, well, God is king of heaven, Jesus Christ is the king and the father and the son and blah, blah, blah. But all of that, heaven, the kingdom of heaven is within you. And heaven is within you, but so can be hell, right? We actually carry all of that with us, period. There's no... um. There's nobody making things worse or better or whatever. It's that it's that God self within you that's powerful that is emanating your body that is giving you life. And one thing, if you can even just just remember this one thing, it would help you so much in your experience here. Is when stuff starts to get crazy. Just be thankful. Even just keep thanking God. Say, I am thankful. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you. Thank you for the breath. Thank you for your life. As soon as you open your eyes, be thankful in the morning when you first rise, when you first put your feet down, as you go throughout your day. Give thanks. Because oftentimes, and I know for me, prior to um, learning all of this about ourselves and and creating our reality and all of that 
what? You get up in the morning, you hit the floor running, you go, you go, you go, you go, you run, you run, you run, and then you just drop your body. People just drop their bodies all the time, right? Never once being thankful. Um, not that never once, but not, you know, a course of days could go by, maybe even weeks, and you're not being thankful. If I can leave you with anything before we end this 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 series, is is that. Be thankful. Thankful, you open your eyes, thankful for the day. As you move through your day, give thanks. As you go to sleep, give thanks. Say thank you. Go ahead, Linda. And David said, I will tell of the decree of the Lord. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Psalm 2, verse 7. David's divine sonship is unique the only one of its kind and wholly supernatural. He was born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. John 1, 13. The Father will be found by man only in a first-person singular. Present tense. Experience. Experience. Let me read. The Father will be found by man only in a first-person singular, present tense experience, when David in the spirit calls him Father, that is, my Lord. Jesus asked them a question, saying, What do you think of the Christ? Whose son is he? They say unto him, the son of David. He said to them, How is it then that David in the spirit called him Lord? If David thus called him Lord, how is he his son? Matthew 22, verses 41 through 45. In Hebrew thought, history consists of all the generations of men and their experiences fused into one great whole. And this concentrated time into which all of the generations are fused and from which they spring is called eternity. Scripture states that God has put eternity into man's mind, yet so that man cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. Ecclesiastes 3, verse 11. The Hebrew word for eternity means also youth, stripling, young man. Saul saw David and said to Abner, Whose son is this youth? Inquire whose son the stripling is. This, then turning to David, he said, Whose son are you, young man? And David answered, I am the son of your servant, Jesse, the Bethamite. First Samuel 17, verses 55-58. Whose son? Note, in all the passages, 1 Samuel 17, 55, 56, 58, Matthew 22 and 42, the inquiry is not about the son, but about his father. The father made known to David is the eternally true father. It is in us as persons that God the Father is revealed. David said, I am the son of Jesus. Jesse is any form of the verb to be. 
David's answer was, I am the son of him whose name I is I am. I am the son of the Lord. One of the names for God is the name he gave to Moses. Say to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Exodus 3 verse 14. He is the eternal I am. God's first revelation to himself is as God Almighty. Exodus 6 verse 3. His second self-revelation is as the eternal I am. Exodus 3 verse 14. His final revelation of himself is as the Father. John 17. Only the Son can reveal God as Father. No one, i.e. no human eye, has ever seen God, the only begotten Son, who is in the bosom of the Father. He has made himself known. John 1, verse 18. Now, I know that's um, a lot, right? Yep. I find I I found it to be a lot. So you may have to um reread that a little bit in order for it to um click in your mind. And don't worry if it doesn't click in your mind after the first or second or third reading. It's going to take a little time for you to for it all to make sense and especially if you've never um read any of these scriptures, it might make a, it might take a little time for it to make sense to you. Don't feel like, oh, my God, what is Neville talking about and how come it doesn't make sense to me? It's not going to necessarily make sense to you right now because you're still in the, you know, the beginning. We're still in the beginning phases of using our imagination and understanding how all that works and who I am is and what the I am represents and what it represents to you. So there are levels. So don't get stressed out. I'm still trying to understand all of it myself. But bottom line is I am is where um, your power lies. And what Neville is trying to get us to understand is when the I am, when, when we first heard about it, you know, when it first came. And when um, Moses, when God said to Moses, tell them, I am has sent you. And for a long time, I didn't know what that meant, right? Because you're told all these other different names of God and Jesus is God. And actually, you know, I am, that's it. That's the name. That's, That's who you are. That's who God is, the great I am. But we walk around in our own flesh and blood and, you know, in our own limitations, and we limit that I am. We don't have to, but we do. And on lots of occasions, you will find yourself limiting your own I amness. As you do catch yourself doing that, try to change it. You know, if you're feeling sick uh, or weak, let the weak man, woman, say I am strong. Give yourself that vitamin. Give yourself that um, bit of injection. Change your I am. You know, when you're walking around and, and you're being, I am broke. Uh-uh. 
I am abundance. I am joyful. I am perfection. Yeah, say I am perfection. Don't be afraid to say it in the beginning. It's probably going to feel a little wicky-wacky or weird, but that's okay. I do that often. Nobody knows that in my mind I'm saying I am perfection. I know it. And that's all that matters, right? Yes. Okay. Go ahead, Linda. It is God himself, the eternal I am, and his only begotten son, the eternal youth David, who entered man's mind. At the end of his journey through the fires of affliction, In this age of eternal death, man will find David and exclaim, I have found David. He shall cry to me, Thou art my father, my God, and the rock of my salvation. Psalm 89, verses 20 and 26. I do not reveal myself to myself directly as God or as Jesus Christ, but by implication parallel with Scripture when David in the spirit called me father. And this wisdom from within is without uncertainty. So you don't reveal yourself. David reveals yourself to you, basically, is what Neville is saying. Right? Yeah? When it pleased God to reveal his son in me, I did not confer with flesh and blood. Galatians 1, 15-16. The man in whom the Son of God appears finds it difficult to convince others of the reality of the revelation because this, these supernatural experiences of Scripture take place in a realm of action too remote from our common experience. The whole drama belongs to a world far more real and vital than that which the intellect inhabits for the historical imagination to understand. Oh, could I tell ye surely would believe it. Oh, could I say, oh, could I only say what I have seen. How should I tell or how can ye receive it? How till he bringeth you where I have been. That was a quote from F.W.H. Myers. This entrance into the father-son relationship is true truly by the grace of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, John 3.16. It was the eternal plan of God to give himself to man. And it is the son calling him father who makes him sure that he really is the father. When David, in the spirit, calls him father, he does not lose his distinctive individuality or cease to be the self he was before. But that self now includes a far greater self, which is none other than Jesus Christ, whom David in the Spirit called Lord Man, is heir to a promise and to presence. Abraham, having patiently endured, obtained the promise. Hebrew 6, verse 15. Grace is the final expression of God's love in action, which man will experience when the Son is revealed to him, and who in in turn reveals man as the Father. The authority which underlies the story of Jesus Christ is a twofold witness, the inward testimony of the Father 
and the external testimony of Scripture. God himself came and comes into human history in a person of the incarnate Jesus within us. This will be confirmed by the signs which will be experienced by man as foretold in the Scripture. The Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Truly, truly I say to you, he who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I go to the Father. John 14, verses 10 through 12. I came from the Father and have come into the world again. I am leaving the world and going to the Father, John 16, 28. I and the Father are one, John 10, verse 30. The vision of God is granted to those who have had the revelation of the Father in the life of the incarnate Jesus in them, when the only begotten son, David, calls them Father. Only as the signs become our experience is God's purpose and, therefore, the Scripture's purpose fulfilled in us. Scripture must be filled in me, for what is written about me has its fulfillment. Luke 22, verse 37. God gave himself to all of us to teach us, and it is his only begotten son, David, in the Spirit, calling us Father, who makes us sure that it is really so. So if the Son makes you free, you will be free indeed. John 8, verse 36. And as David returned from the slaughter of the Philistine with the head of the Philistine in his hand, Saul said to him, Whose son are you, young man? 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 57 and 58. For he did not know David's father, whom he had promised, for Samuel 17.25, to make free in Israel. The king had promised to make free the father of the man who destroyed the enemy of Israel. We must not ignore the very personal and supernatural character of God's plan of salvation. The fulfillment of the plan takes place in man. It is inaugurated by the event called his resurrection from the dead. We have been born anew through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. 1 Peter 1, verse 3. It is Christ in you, your I am, who is resurrected. The resurrection marks the beginning of the freeing of Jesus Christ, the Father from the body of sin and death, and his return to his divine body of love, the human form divine. This was the Lord's purpose from the beginning, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fulfillment, the fullness of time. Ephesians 1, 9 through 10. The Lord of hosts has sworn, As I have planned, so shall it be. And as I have proposed, so shall it stand. Isaiah chapter 14, verse 24. Okay. 
think. You can stop there for a minute. Okay. I'll pick and read, give you a break. You need to go get some water <laughs> if you want to. If you want to keep okay. reading, you can. Does it I can go ahead and keep reading, sure. Okay, cool. I do want to say, though, the whole point of resurrection and what um, Neville is trying to get us to understand and what we celebrate every Easter, you know, the resurrection of Jesus Christ and Golgotha is your skull and God laid down with inside of you and this experience that he's talking about is an experience that he had the awakening and the um, resurrecting of his I am presence and it becomes your human form divine full of light and full of you know this this understanding and this knowing so some of us have had it some of us haven't some of us are working on that on the planet I mean not in the indigo room (laughs) just in general and it is an awakening that happens. It's a resurrecting that happens. And when you're moving the stone, it's opening up your skull to allow the Christ in you, the God in you, to exude. You can close it. And, you know, you could put Jesus back to sleep or God back to sleep. But I think once you open that door, it's kind of hard to close it. (laughs) But some of us are still pushing the stone away. And that's okay, too. You know, don't think that, oh, my God, I'm not getting it. It's not working. I don't understand. Listen, however long it takes you to push your own stone away, to get that stone away, to, to move, to allow your I am presence to rise up in you, resurrect in you, it's okay. But just understand that it's not talking about a physical Jesus rising out of the dead. We're talking about the Jesus, the I am, the God in you that is resurrecting, being resurrected, to remember the truth of who you really are. Okay, you can continue to read, my dear. Live and act on the assurance that God has brought forth his plan to fulfillment and continues to do so. God himself came and comes into human history in the person of Jesus Christ in you, in me, in all. God awoke in the anonymous authors of the Gospels and continues to awake an individual man. Believe their testimony. Do not seek new ways of access to a goal already attained. Perhaps the best description of the unknown writers of the gospel of God is given in these words, that which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life, that which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you. First John uh, 1, 1 verses 1 through 3. Faith is not complete until it has become experienced. It is essential that those whose eyes have seen and whose hands have handled the word of God of life be sent to be conscious of themselves as sent to declare it to the world. It is the resurrected Christ, the twice-born man who says, 
Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, and you will find rest for your souls. Matthew 11, verse 29. He offers his knowledge of scripture based on his own experience or that of others based on speculation. Accept his offer, and it will keep you from losing your way among the tangled speculations that pass for religious truth and show you the only way to the Father. The man who is sent to preach the gospel of God is first called and taken in spirit into the divine assembly where the gods hold judgment. God has taken his place in the divine council in the midst of the gods. He holds judgment. Psalm 82, verse 1. The Hebrew word Elohim is plural, a compound unity, one made up of others. In this sentence, it is translated as God and gods. The man who is called is brought forth before Elohim, the risen Christ. He is asked to name the greatest thing in the world. He answers in the words of Paul, faith, hope, arid, love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. First Corinthians thirteen thirteen. At that moment, God embraces him, and they fuse and become one. For he who is united to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. First Corinthians six seventeen. So they are no longer two, but one. What therefore God has joined together, let no man put asunder. Matthew 19, verse 6. Men are called one by one to unite into a single man who is God. The Lord will thresh out the grain and you will be gathered one by one, O people of Israel. Isaiah 27, verse 12. This union with the risen Christ is baptism with the Holy Spirit. From his baptism with the Holy Spirit, To his resurrection, all the days of the Messiah, a period of 30 years. During this period, he is so overwhelmingly in love with his mission as messenger and preacher of the gospel of God, a gospel which has laid such constraint upon him that he can do no other, feels that if I preach the the gospel, that gives me no ground for boasting. For necessity is laid upon me. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 16. A divine compulsion drives him, as it had Jeremiah, who said, If I say I will not mention him or speak any more in his name, there is in my heart, as it were, a burning fire shut up in my bones, and I am weary with holding it in, and I cannot. Jeremiah 20, verse 9. The end of this 30-year period arrives with such dramatic suddenness that he has no time to observe it coming. Jesus, when he began his ministry, was about 30 years of age. Luke 3, verse 2 and 3. Now the story of Jesus unfolds to him in a series of the most personal, first-person singular, present-tense experiences. The entire series of events takes three and a half years. It begins with his resurrection and birth from above. 
The dead hear the voice of the child and began to awaken from sleep. All things heard the voice of the child and begun to awaken to life. A quote from William Blake. While sleeping in his bed and dreaming of the redeemed society of a city full of boys and girls playing in the streets thereof, Zechariah 8, verse 5, an intense vibration centered at the base of his skull awakens him. Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give you light. Ephesians 5, verse 14. As he wakes, he finds that he is not in the room where he fell asleep, but in his own skull, Golgotha. His skull is a completely scaled tomb, completely sealed tomb. He does not know how he got there, but his one consuming desire is to get out. He pushes the base of his skull, and something rolls away, leaving a small opening. He pushes his head through the opening and squeezes himself out, inch by inch, in the same manner that a child is born from his mother's womb. He looks at his body, out of which he has just emerged. It is pale of face, lying on its back, and tossing its head from side to side, like one in recovery from a great ordeal. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turn, will turn into joy. When a woman is in travail, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she is delivered of the child, she no longer remembers the anguish or joy that a child is born into the world. John 16, verse 20 and 21. For there is a babe, for there the babe is born in joy that was begotten in dire woe just as we reap and enjoy the fruit which we in bitter tears did so. Quote from William Blake. You must be born from above. John 3, 7. The Jerusalem above is free, and she is our mother. Galatians 4, 26. Sorry. Uh. You got, I'm sorry, Mike. My, my, you're gonna have to take over my iPad. Skip the. I'm way back. Up. Okay, no problem. It's all right because you know we're having technical difficulties with our technologies this week. Okay. I'm, yes. I'm back. I'm back. Oh. All right. Cool. Um, you must be born from above. John three seven. The Jerusalem above is free, and she is our mother. Galatians 4.26. The skull that was his tomb becomes the womb for which he is born anew. The vibration within his skull, which roused him from sleep, appears now to be coming from without. It seems, it sounds like a great wind. He turns his head in the direction where the wind appears to be. Looking back to where his body was, he is surprised to find that it is gone but in its place sits three men. This experience that faces him will be the fulfillment of the promise made to Abraham, and the Lord appeared to him. He lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, three men stood in front of him. They said to him, Where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, She is in the tent. He said, I will surely return 
to you according to the time of life. And Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. Abraham called Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, Isaac. He laughs. Genesis 18, verses 1, 2, 9, 10, chapter 21, verse 3. The three men suddenly appeared. They had not been seen approaching Abraham. Does not at once realize the significance of this. They are ordinary men who have chanced to come his way. They too are disturbed by the wind. The youngest of the three is the most disturbed and goes over to investigate the source of the disturbance. His attention is attracted by a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying on the floor. He takes the babe in his arms and proclaiming it to be the resurrected man's babe, lays it on the bed. The man then lifts the babe in his arms and says, how is my sweetheart? The child smiles and the first act comes to an end. And in that region, there were shepherds out in the field and an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the angel said unto them, Be not afraid, for behold, I bring you the tidings of great joy, which will come to all the people. For to you born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Luke 2, verses 8 through 12. God is born, for God is called Savior. Isaiah 4, 43, verse 3. 45 verse 15 and Luke 1 verse 47. After the revelation, man searches the ancient scriptures for intimations and foreshadowings of his supernatural experience. And finding them there knows that all was foretold to me, not could I foresee, but I learned how the wind would sound after these things should be quote from Edward Thomas. The unpredictable nature of the wind's course illustrates the spontaneity of the divine birth in birth all the more easily since both in Greek and in Hebrew the word is used both for wind and spirit. The plan of the Lord is described in the ancient scripture but it cannot really be known until after it has been experienced by the individual. God has spoken, and what he has foretold is written there for all to understand. But his prophecy appears in a quite different light in prospect from what it is seen to be in retrospect. Everyone will know that Jesus Christ is the Father in the light of his own experience of the Christian mystery. In these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, Hebrew 1, verse 2. Five months after man is resurrected and born from above, a vibration similar to that which began in the first act starts in his bed, his head. This time it is centered at the top of his head. It increases in intensity until it explodes. After the explosion, he finds himself seated in a modestly furnished room, leaning against the side of an open door and looking out on a pastoral scene. 
is his son David of the biblical fame. He is a youth in his early teens. David addresses him as my father. The resurrected man knows that he is David's father, and David knows that he is his son. Two men look at David lustfully, and the father reminds them of his son's victory over the giant Philistine. And while he is sitting there and contemplating the unearthly beauty of his son, the second act comes to its end, and God the Father uh, gave gave himself to man that he might become God the Father. I will tell of the decree of the Lord. He said to me, you are my son today. I have begotten you. Psalm 2, verse 7. The third act unfolds four months after the father-son relationship has been revealed. It is dramatic from beginning to end. A bolt of lightning splits the body of the resurrected man from the top of his skull to the base of his spine. Now the new and living way is opened for him through the curtain, that is, through his body. Revelation is always in personal terms, and the human agents of God's revelation are never suppressed to the level of the impersonal. Consequently, when he came into the world, he said, Sacrifices and offerings thou hast not desired, but a body hast prepared thou hast thou prepared for me in burnt offerings and sin offerings, thou hast taken no pleasure. Then I said, Lo, I have come to do thy will, O God, as it is written of me in the role of the book. Hebrew 10, verses 5 to 7. Psalm 40, verses 6 through 8 is quoted. God will, God's will is done. God must save in God alone. At the base of his spine, he sees a pool of golden liquid light and knows that it is himself. He now has confidence to enter the sanctuary by the blood of Jesus, by the news and the new and living way, which he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh. Hebrew 10, verses 19 and 20. As he contemplates the pool of golden liquid light, the blood of God, the living water, he fuses with it and knows that it is himself, his divine creator and redeemer. Now, like a bolt of spiral lightning, he ascends his spine, entering the heavenly sanctuary of his skull violently. His head reverberates like thunder, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. John 3:14. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been coming violently, and men of violence take it by force. Matthew 11, verse 12. To such men the new age has come. Two years and nine months later, fulfilling the three and a half years of the ministry of Jesus, the fourth and final act of the drama of salvation comes to its climax. And the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form, as a dove, and a voice came from heaven. Thou art my beloved Son, with thee I am well pleased. Luke 3.22. The head of the resurrected one suddenly becomes translucent. 
hovering above him as though floating. A dove with its eyes focused lovingly upon him descends upon his outreached hand. He draws her to his face, and the dove smothers him with love, kissing his face, his head, and his neck. A woman, daughter of the voice of God, says to him, He loves you, and the drama of salvation comes to its end in him. He is now a son of God, a son of the resurrection. He cannot die anymore because he is a son of God, being a son of the resurrection. Luke 20, verse 36. I and the Father are one. John 10, verse 30. I am the root and the offspring of David. Revelation 22, verse 16. He is the father of humanity and its offspring. By becoming man, the limit of contraction and opacity, he breaks the shell and expanding into translucence achieves his purpose. He has found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote. John 1.45 The anonymous authors of the gospel of God are twice-born men, sons of God, sons of the resurrection, who can die no more having escaped from the body of sin and death. The gospel is the story of God's plan of salvation. It will be helpful to all readers of the word of God to end this confession of faith with a quote from William Blake. It ought to be understood that the persons Moses and Abraham are not here meant, but the states signified by those names the individuals being representatives or visions of those states as they were revealed to mortal man in the series of divine revelations as they are written in the Bible. These various states I have seen in my imagination. When distant, they appear as one man, but as you approach, they appear multitudes of nations. There is no secular history in the Bible The Bible is the history of salvation and is wholly supernatural. Thank you, my beautiful, wonderful, awesome Linda. We concluded Resurrection by Neville. We started out with allegory and we ended with allegory and the supernatural. And um, I hope you do a rereading again and um, of it so that you can make it your own and understand it somewhat better um, and that you digest it and, and make it your own, bring it into your own experience. And um, the last chapter actually is 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 so powerful and beautiful to me um, because you actually go full circle, I think. Do you have any thoughts, Linda? Um, Yeah, a lot of that reminded me uh, what we're reading today of a circle. Right. Keep going around and around. That was the image that it got. And some of it is still very confusing. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And... Uh, part of it is just the way uh, the person 
whoever transcribed this broke out what Neville said. Um, right. Uh, but, um, that experience that he's talking about is an individual experience, so right. really is kind of difficult to describe, you know? So mm-hmm. I think he's doing his best to describe it, but it's an individual experience, and when you go through it, you'll know that you went through it. And it, the experience could be totally different. Right. Absolutely. But when you know that you know that you know, you'll know. (laughs) (laughs) And then you'll try to share it with the rest of us, and we'll look at you and go, huh? Huh? (laughs) What? (laughs) What are you talking about? Because it's really, bottom line is, God is in us. And, you know, lay down, it's like the seed that has to die in order to become, uh, to bear fruit. So God laid down in us to die, to being God, to become man, so that man could bear fruit. And when you do bear the fruit, you'll know. Whatever that experience is for you, you'll know what that is. And you'll know that you'll know, and then you'll try to come to the indigo room to explain it to us, and we'll go, uh huh. <laughs> it'll go, do you understand what I'm trying to? No, we don't understand because it'll be subjective to you. And that is basically, I feel anyway, that's what Neville is trying to get us to understand. And he even said it like, you really won't get it until you get it, until it happens to you. So, um,. In the meantime, though, in between time, you do the work. That's all. You do your imaginational work. You, the, your I am is no respecter of persons. That doesn't mean that you can be an asshole, though. Sorry, excuse my French. But it doesn't mean you go around being an asshole to everybody. But it really is no respecter of persons. It really isn't. So you could be. And still get all the things that you want. Still use your imagination to get the things that you want. But there is something called the law of, um, uh, not the law of karma, <laughs> but... Reciprocity? Was, huh? Yeah, reciprocity. Reciprocity. Yeah. You know, you give what you get. I mean, you get what you give. So eventually, it's all going to come back to you anyway. Um, I hope that I see you next week and we can share and you can talk and you can chat. It's going to be an open chat next week. That's what we're going to do. Hopefully, God willing, and the creek don't rise. Um, But I do want to say thank you, thank you, thank you to Francisco Lopez for your wonderful love donation to the Indigo Room this week. Thank you. Um, I have to give you a big shout-out and a big hug. I want to say thank you to um, everybody that's joined us over these past few weeks um, as we uh, read Neville and read Resurrection. Thank you, Linda, for reading. You're awesome. Thank you, Deborah, for reading. Thank you, Yaren, for your input. Thank you, Mavis, for joining us, and Wanda Lynn, and thank you, Debbie and Cindy and Gary and uh, Ray Harvey. I forget. Gloria, thank you so much. 
um, Karen Henry, who has been listening to the Indigo Room for a long time as well. And uh, did I forget anybody? I hope not. If I did, I am sorry, and I love you all. And Cleopatra. <laughs> can't forget Miss Cleopatra. <laughs> we can't forget Miss Cleopatra. Miss Cleopatra, who's joined us as well. <laughs> and all of you who, um, you know, even though you may not be oh, here. you forgot Gary. No, I said Gary. I did, did say Gary. Oh, oh, I missed Gary. And his I cat. Did. I did I did put him in there, but I'm going to say it again, and Gary, but I know I said Gary. Um, okay. And I think that's it. So we'll be back here next week, and we can chat, and we can share, and we can, um, you know, talk about anything that we want to talk about, ask questions. It'll be an open chat next week. So hopefully you'll get here next Saturday. Which I won't is be here. Oh, you won't? No. It's That's right. It's the Saturday. third Saturday, right? Right. So I'll be listening on the replay. All right, love. Um, I may not be here, but I'm going to try. Because <laughs> next Friday is my birthday. So. <laughs> well, this is your birthday month, girl. This is my birthday <laughs> month. This is my birthday month, okay? So I'm, you know, enjoying it. And uh, I got a big compliment this week while I was riding in the elevator with my son, you know, and they... There was a whole elevator full of people. I posted on my Facebook, and they were like, um, wait, you're Stephen's mom? And I was like, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> you don't look like you're old enough to have a son his age. So he was feeling some kind of way about it. But I was feeling really good about it, you know, because, you know, they were just saying and complimenting me about how beautifully young I look, and it was fun. So that is carrying me all the way to my birthday. Um, I am old enough to have a son his age. Y'all don't need to know my age. I never tell you. But it felt good to have that compliment. So thank you all of the people that we work with in the elevator this week. (laughs) And I want to say safe travels to both my sons who are um, uh, leaving, who have leaving this side of the planet Sean, um, who has uh, moved to the West Coast, and I can't say exactly where yet because he, you know, probably kill me, but he has moved to the West Coast yesterday, so I want to say yes and um, congratulations and much success to him. And my son Stephen is on his way to Japan in the morning, and uh, he'll be there for 15 days having a great time with his friends. So mommy's home alone with the dog. That's it. (laughs) I'll see you all next week. Thank you, Linda. Love you. Thank you, Karen. Go ahead, Linda. Sorry. No, I just thank you, everybody. Thank you, everybody. I did mention Mavis. I did mention Mavis. I said Mavis, too. And Painter. I don't know where she is, but, you know, Painter. (laughs) Good night. Goodbye. See you next week. Ciao. Love you.